It's time for the Ship Report, the show about all things maritime. I'm Joanne Rideout. It's Tuesday, October 11th, 2016. We have 14 vessels on today's Columbia River ship schedule. In our marine weather forecast, we have some weather coming our way. A gale watch is in effect from tomorrow night through Friday afternoon. And today we'll talk about Monday's shark attack this week at Ecola State Park north of Cannon Beach. But first, let's take a look at our Columbia River ship schedule for the day. We have five inbounders, we have three in the Astoria Anchorage, and we have six outbounders heading downriver and out to sea. Our first arrival in the river is a bulk carrier called the Hong Fu. She's arriving from China, headed for Astoria's Anchorage, but her destination eventually is upriver to pick up wheat. She'll arrive in Astoria's Anchorage around noontime and drop her anchor there for a bit. The MG Kronos is another bulker arriving from Japan, headed for Astoria's Anchorage. She'll be arriving there around 1.30 p.m. Not clear where she's headed, so I don't know what her cargo is yet. The ATB Vision is an articulated tug and barge unit, a tug and a barge attached together with a hydraulic system of pins that holds them together and makes them look quite a bit from, at least if you glance at one, like a ship. But if you look closely, you'll see that it actually is a tug whose bow is configured to fit into the stern of a very specially configured barge, and they travel together as a unit at sea. The ATB Vision is arriving from San Francisco, headed for Portland. Her cargo in her barge is petroleum. She will pass Astoria around 6 p.m., and you might see her in the Portland area around midnight. The Dorado is a bulker arriving from offshore. She's headed for the Vancouver Anchorage. Not quite sure where she's headed after that, but she'll pass Astoria around 7.30 p.m. this evening and arrive in Vancouver around 1.30 a.m. Thursday in the Anchorage there, where she'll wait until she goes to a berth. The MG Sakura is arriving from Japan, headed for Astoria's Anchorage, and she will arrive there around 11.30 p.m. So if you have a view of the river from wherever you are and you happen to be up at that time, you'll see her running lights gliding past the Astoria waterfront until she finds her place there in the Anchorage. In the Astoria Anchorage, we have the Global Eternity headed for Vancouver's Anchorage. And if I'm correct here, she will be heading downriver eventually to pick up a a cargo of soda ash at the port of Longview. So she'll be leaving um, Astoria around midnight and arriving in the Vancouver Anchorage by about 6 a.m. The Amira is headed for the Vancouver Anchorage from the Astoria Anchorage at about 10.30 a.m. She'll be leaving Astoria, arriving in Vancouver at about 4.30 p.m. And the Rapallo, a bulk carrier in the Anchorage offshore there off the downtown waterfront in Astoria, is awaiting orders. So eventually she too will head upriver to pick up cargo and we'll see her heading back downriver and out to sea. And our outbounders, the ships that have already completed that process and are heading downriver, most of them with cargo on board. The Ken I is leaving uh, Portland carrying wheat. She's a bulk carrier, leaving around 2 a.m., passing Astoria outbound then, maybe around 8 a.m. The Splendor is a bulker leaving Vancouver carrying wheat, a popular cargo this time of year, as I've said many times before. She's leaving around 3 a.m., passing Astoria outbound around 9 a.m. The Shandong Hai Chang is leaving Longview carrying wheat at about 8.30 a.m., passing Astoria outbound around noontime. And the Swan River is a bulker leaving Longview carrying pet coke. She's leaving around 12.30 p.m. and might pass Astoria outbound by about 4 p.m. today. The Kina, the, the Kirana, rather, Nari, is leaving Vancouver. Bentonite clay on board. I like to laugh and say that that's kitty litter, but it has other uses as well. She's leaving around 5 p.m., passing Astoria outbound around 11 p.m. And the articulated tug and barge rig, the Dublin Sea, is leaving Portland carrying petroleum in her barge. She's leaving around 5 p.m. You might see her running lights going past Astoria around 11 p.m. Well, in our marine weather forecast, we do have that gale watch in effect through Friday afternoon from this evening. 
And that is going to be the kind of the opening salvo, as you, if you will, of this atmospheric river phenomenon that's supposed to come to the coast this week, this weekend, that could bring us a lot of rain. We'll see how it how it plays out. But right now, it's looking like they're going to be really heavy seas and some pretty serious weather happening on the coast. I'll tell you more about that tomorrow. But in today's forecast, we have northeast winds, 10 to 15 knots, wind waves from the northeast, three feet at four seconds apart, and west swells, five feet at 14 seconds between wave crests. And by the weekend, from what I'm seeing, if the forecast holds, we could have 20 to 25 foot seas offshore. So that could mean over the weekend an uh, interruption in ship traffic, which would be the first one this year in this fall season where we might see the Columbia River Bar closed to ship traffic. So we'll just have to watch that situation. And I'll talk with you more about that tomorrow. But today what I wanted to talk with you about is a a kind of a disturbing news item that happened on Monday. Um, It was a shark attack that apparently occurred on Monday off Ecola State Park, north of Cannon Beach, at Indian Beach. It's been reported in numerous media outlets, and this news probably has some people pretty spooked. So I thought I'd look up a bit about shark attacks and, uh, and share what I found. First, in case you haven't heard about this story, here is the story that appeared online at kgw.com. And the dateline is Ecola State Park in Oregon, of course. A Portland man was bitten by a shark on the Oregon coast Monday afternoon, police said. The attack occurred around 4 p.m. at Indian Beach, a popular surfing spot north of Cannon Beach. The victim, 29-year-old Joseph Tanner, was surfing when the shark bit his upper and lower thigh. Tanner told responders that the shark was, quote, medium big and he thought it might have been a great white shark, but he wasn't sure. The shark pulled Tanner off his surfboard, and he swam to shore, police said. He was airlifted to Legacy Emanuel Hospital in Portland with serious injuries. And the article goes on to say, there are 16 species of shark found along the Oregon coast, including great white sharks. And uh, there have been a total of 27 shark attacks in Oregon since 1974, and no one has died, um, according to that media report. So a little more about sharks and the risk of shark attack. Whenever we hear a story like this, it's easy to go, oh my God, I don't want to ever go in the water again. But here's an article from Reuters News about shark attacks and uh, predictions for 2016. This article was originally published in May of this year. As the summer beach season opens in the United States, at least one expert is predicting an increase in shark attacks around the world this year that will surpass last year's record number. In 2015, there were 98 shark attacks, including six fatalities, according to this uh, expert, George Burgess, who is the director of the International Shark Attack File at the University of Florida. Why the increased bloodshed? Shark populations are slowly recovering from historic lows in the 1990s. The world's human population has grown and rising temperatures are leading more people to go swimming, Burgess said. I'm not sure that's really the case here where the water is still cold. But still, the university notes that that fatal shark attacks, while undeniably graphic, are so infrequent that beachgoers face a higher risk, statistically at least, of being killed by sand collapsing as a result of overachieving sandcastle builders. With their fearsome teeth and dorsal fins, the inspiration for hit movies, TV series, and beach town souvenirs, it's hard to fathom that a century ago, American scientists did not believe sharks would fatally attack humans in the U.S. temperate waters without provocation. That changed in July of 1916 when four people were killed in attacks near the New Jersey shore, a series of death blamed on a sea turtle until a great white shark with human remains in its stomach 
Atlantic was captured nearby. Since those attacks, public opinion of sharks has changed dramatically. With swimmers' fears fanned by fiction, from the 1975 Academy Award-winning film Jaws, of course, based on Peter Benchley's book about a giant man-eating shark. So I'm sure we'll hear more about this story, but the bottom line, it would seem, is that shark attacks remain rare overall, but perhaps are increasing worldwide. As for this shark attack, I don't know what effect it will have on local swimmers and surfers. The surfers I know tend to take these incidents in stride and balance it against their love of being in the water. I'm not a surfer, and I'm glad of it when I hear these stories. I certainly wish everyone a safe time out there on the waves. You've been listening to The Ship Report, the show about all things maritime. I'm Joanne Rideout. Thanks for listening. You can find a podcast of this program on my website at shipreport.net. Have a great day.